This uh, Psalm chapter 42, or Psalm 42, that we'll be looking at right now is a psalm, particularly Psalm 42, is a psalm that is often referenced when people want to talk about or think about how do you deal with depression and despair. And I know that's a terrible way to start 2023. I'm going to talk about depression and despair. But I ain't really talking about depression and despair this morning. It is talk, often people talk about it because that's where the psalmist is as he's writing these words. But I bring it up today because it touches on a topic that I've been studying on, working on, thinking about myself for some time. And this is this idea that I want to enjoy, I don't know how else to put it, but I want to enjoy the tangible presence of the Lord. Now, that may sound like to some of y'all, well, that sounds like something a preacher would say. And I understand that, but I want y'all to think about this for just a second. Y'all came on, come to church on a Sunday morning. It means you, this is somehow important to you. Something we're doing here is important to you. And I, I, if all this stuff is, this religious stuff is, is just, you know, say a few words, hum a few tunes, listen to somebody drone on for a few minutes. Can I just be honest? I don't want it. I want instead there to be a real God who I can have a conversation with, that I can reach out and, ha- and touch and know he touches me, that, I, that there, is, there is a relationship between us. Not just the concept that, yeah, there's a God. Yeah, sure, why not? I, I actually want to know that I have something real. There's something substantive underneath it. It's in the same way that I love my wife and I'm married to my wife and I enjoy her company. I don't enjoy her as a concept. I go home to her. I cook, or not cook, I eat food she cooks. I don't cook, she cooks. I eat food she cooked. I, I get to hold her hand and speak to her and have her speak to me. There's something physical, very, very tangible about that. You understand that? That's something that I want. And, and from 2005 up to today, I have prayed a prayer to ask God to, I'd like to see him do a work. He can use me if he wants to, but I just want to see him. I always have the image in my mind of a fire. You ever been around fire, campfire, a bonfire outside? And no matter how close you get to it, you can see it. No matter how far away you get from it, you can see it. But just some, you just want to see that it's there, and you want to feel that there's something coming off of it. That's what a fire does. That's what I've been praying for, for God, to God for a while. I just want to see that God's at work, and that's what I want. And over the last little bit, last year or so, and going into this year, I've added to that prayer this thought that I want God to be something more than a person or an idea. I want him to be a person that I talk to. I want him to be a person that I enjoy his presence. I want him to be a person that I hear from. I want him to be a person that I know in a very tangible and real way, that I know he's with me. I want to have a sense of him. I want to be able to sense him in my life. And I want to encourage you as you start out this new year to have this goal and the biblical tools that the psalmist gives us of how we can enjoy the tangible presence of God in our lives. That's what I want to give you for just a few minutes. I want to begin with a word of prayer and then we'll dig right into the text, see what the Lord has for us. Father, I do need your help. I've asked you for your presence in my life, to know you're there, to be able to fellowship with you. I think you've given me glimmers of that from time to time. Lord, I want it more. 
I pray that you will give that to the people that are here, both the desire for that, but also the path, the tools, the resources they need in order to be able to, to know you and feel you. I pray, God, that you will let us hear your word, understand it, and respond in obedience. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I told you to turn to Psalm 42, and I, that's the right place to go to. But we're going to actually be looking at Psalm 42 and 43. And the reason we're going to look at those together is I don't believe it's by accident in this particular case that they're together. Uh, the, you know, at some point, man comes along just for helping us understand how to find verses and chapters and all that. The chapter divisions and the verse divisions are not necessarily inspired by God. I, don't, I, don't, I, I believe he's okay with it, but I don't think those are technically from God. Um, and at one time it is believed, and I happen to agree with them, I don't know, I'm, we're not 100% sure, but it's believed that Psalm 42 and 43 were actually one psalm that was sung as a, as a song together, there's those two together, and they just sort of divided it the way they've divided it. So we're actually going to look at all, uh, both of those, those, those psalms today. And it kind of breaks down into three sections. I'm just going to give you that so you can kind of follow along with me. We will at some point read most of these psalms together, but I just want to make sure you, you understand where I'm going. First of all, Psalm 42, you've got the first five verses. That's the first section. And in the first five verses, 42 verses 1 through 5, You've got the psalmist remembering how it was to worship with the multitude is the way he talks about it in verse 4. He remembers how good it was to be with God's people. We'll see that in verses 42, uh, chapter 42, verses 1 to 4, or 1 to 5. Starting in verse 6, going down to the end of the psalm, the psalmist is expressing this emotion of, I feel so far away from you, God. I, 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 I can't feel your presence. And he discusses that with the Lord. And then in chapter 43, or rather Psalm 43, verses 1 to 5, that whole psalm, he is talking about how he needs God to intervene in his circumstance, in his situation. So you've got those three, situa three sections of this. Part one, he remembers going to, the, going to church for all intents and purposes. Part two, he says, listen, I feel far from you. Part three, he says, Lord, I need you to, to fix this. I need you to be involved in this situation. And it's clear out of the gate, I just want you to look in the first two verses, Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. It's clear out of the gate that the psalmist desires the Lord. Uh, just read this with me. He says, as the heart, or the deer, if you want to put that word in there that you might be familiar with, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. He's used that image of a deer that wants that water, that drink of water. He could have used a camel, by the way. He could have said a camel, but he didn't. You know why he didn't use a camel? Because a camel doesn't need water, but about every two or three weeks, they'll be fine. But a deer, he needs a little bit of water. He may not need a lot, but he needs a little bit every day. He needs to be able to go down to the, the river and drink something. He needs to be able to eat some grass that's got some dew on it. He needs to be able to get something that's got some, some fluid on a daily basis. And he's saying, I need a daily touch of your presence, God. I need to know that you're there on a daily basis. He goes on to say in verse 2, my soul thirsteth for God. But he doesn't stop there. Look at what he says, for the living God. He says, I need nothing but God and God alone. Nothing but the one true God will suffice to satisfy my soul. 
There is nothing in this world that is created, nothing that has limits on it that will satisfy me. I need the infinite, the divine, the eternal God. He alone is going to satisfy my soul. And he says he's meeting that need, or rather he gets that need met on a regular basis by having what we would call corporate worship. Now, let's be honest with ourselves. Let's, be, let's, let's call a spade a spade. This is the Old Testament. They weren't going to church as we know it. He's going to the temple to worship. That's what the Old Testament saints were doing. But the, the, the parallel, I think, is there. It's an appropriate application that he is going, like we are today, gathered together with God's people to worship. He says here in verse 2, when shall I come and appear before God? That would have been a, a, a euphemism for going and worshiping the Lord. He says, when, I, says I, I need a touch from you, God. I need to feel, I need to hear from you every day. I need my, my soul needs a touch of your presence daily. Man, when can I get back to church? That's what he's saying. Man, when can I get back to church? He says in verse three, he says, my tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? He's constantly accosted in his daily life as he goes through life on a, on a daily basis. He is constantly confronted with um, his own sorrow. He says he's eat, his, his tears are as food, basically. Every time he's, every day, every night, he's, he's crying so much that it's almost like he can't even eat. He's so upset in his soul, so his sorrow is, is upsetting him. But it's also this, these doubts, these people that are saying to him, where is thy God? I believe that the intention here is that there's somebody on the outside of him that's saying, all right, good old boy, you say you're a believer. Where's your God now in this bad situation? I also think sometimes we can be our own worst enemies on that. Again, I speak for myself. I can't speak for you. But sometimes we can start thinking, man, where's God at in this? Maybe, maybe I made all this stuff up. Maybe I believed a lie. Maybe it's not real. Maybe. And we have these doubts that come into our minds. And he's saying that this is what I'm dealing with on a daily basis, that there's people on the outside. My own soul is against me. There's difficulties that I'm dealing with. But he, then he says, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. He said that, that phrase there, I pour out my soul in me. He is saying essentially things are so bad. I'm falling apart. I, I'm, it's all just coming out of me. It's, it's all out. It's all done. It's at the end of it all. When I'm at my worst, he says, when I remember these things, when I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude, I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept holy day. He says, when everything's at its worst and my soul is just being poured out, what I'm sustained by is that memory of when I got to go and worship the Lord with all of God's people. We were lifting up praises. We were lifting up with joy. There, you hear that, what he says there? With the voice of joy and praise. He said there was enjoyment in my soul when I got to be with God's people. And he uses a refrain here in verse 5. By the way, it's repeated in verse 11 and then in chapter or, or Psalm 43, verse 5. He uses the same phrasing here. He says in verse 5, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. He says, I'm cast down. I'm depressed. I'm down. He says, 
I'm disquieted. I'm agitated. I know you know y'all ever been that way, but I'm telling you, sometimes I get so agitated in my mind and in my soul. I could just run through a wall. You just ever feel, and don't, y'all don't have to say amen. But I, I, maybe I'm telling y'all too much, but I'm just telling you, you get agitated and you just, ah, just nothing seems right. You just want to tear something up. He's agitated. He's upset. But he says, I am disquieted. And yes, I am cast down. He says, what, why? Because your hope is ultimately not in the circumstance. Your true hope is in God and God's very presence. As he says there, you're the help of, uh, praise him for the help of his countenance. The very fact that your face shows up, your presence is here. That's what helps me, Lord. Let me try to bring this home to you, what he's trying to get across, I believe, or at least what I want you to take from this. Though the psalmist can't go to the temple every day to worship. It's just not what they did. It's not what we do here. We don't come to church every day. I mean, I don't know if you could even do it. You got jobs, you got family, you got things, but still you can't. It's just not going to happen. You can't come every day, but the very memory of the experience of when he was able to gather with God's people, when he was able to get together with God's people, that thought reminded him that that was the presence of God and it sustained him through some very difficult times. If you want to enjoy the tangible presence of God, I just want to go ahead and tell you right now, here's the directive from scripture. You are going to have to worship with God's people on a regular basis. Now, please let me put some, some of y'all legalists in the, the congregation. I need to put some parameters around that. I didn't say you got to be here every time the doors open. If you can be, go ahead. It'd be a good thing for you. But that's not what I'm saying. I understand. Some of us have jobs. I understand that we have sick folks to take care of. I understand. I, I think the Lord understands that. But if the measure of your life, if the daily, daily, uh, regular um, uh, cadence of your life does not revolve around somehow, some way, on a regular basis, coming and gathering with God's people, you're missing out on one thing among others, but one thing that will absolutely provide you with some of God's presence. Is it the only way to do it? Of course not. Should you not worship God by yourself? Of course. Spend time in personal worship with the Lord. Talk to Him. Read your Bible. Pray. Have a shout and fit in the woods. Whatever you got to do. If you're going to do it at the golf course, do it at the lake, do it on the river, wherever you got to do it. Do that. Do that by yourself. But let me tell you, that's not the only way. In fact, if we fail, fail to worship God with God's people, we're missing out on a joy that he has provided to us. But also, let me add to that, just some personal observation. Coming to church and worshiping with God's people has got to be much more than just a learning experience. I hope you learn something while you're here, but it can't just be about learning. It definitely can't be about entertaining. I'm not saying that we can't have things that are enjoyable to listen to or, or to watch or whatever. That, that's fine, but that can't be the point. It definitely shouldn't be duty. Oh, well, I got to show up to church. If I show up, then maybe the Lord will do something. If you're thinking like that, you're missing the point. Just like if I were to say, well, I better go home. Maybe my wife might like me if I show up at the house. If I'm thinking like that, I have missed the point. You understand? You have missed the point. The point is that when we come together, we get to experience something that we cannot experience only by ourselves. 
We experience the holy when God's people come together and they are of one accord and they are worshiping one person. His name is Jesus. When we are in that situation, we are in that position. It is going to change us on the inside. Not only are we going to feel something, and I think there's something right about feeling something. We're going to live differently as a result of that. And then what happens is when we experience that, and let me tell you, Tuesday's going to come around sooner than you realize it. And Tuesday comes around, it's going to hit you like a ton of bricks, but you're going to be remembering. I remember when I was in the sanctuary and I worshiped with God's people and I heard a word from heaven and I lifted my voice in praise and my brothers and sisters were doing the same. And man, was that good. That is one way we're going to experience that. And I want to just encourage you, please, determine, determine. And it's going to take some determination that you're going to attend. But don't just attend. Participate. Lift your voice when it's time to sing. Open your Bible when it's time to preach. Hear when it's time to, when you've when you got a brother or sister who's talking to you about a problem or an issue during the week. Come and participate and you will hear from God. You will you will hear from God. The psalmist, he wants to hear from God, so he's reminded of that time in the sanctuary, that time in worship. But he continues on in verse 6, and he feels pretty far from God. Look with me. He says there, Oh my God, my soul is cast down. This is in Psalm 42, verse 6. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill Mazar. Now, those... Place markers don't mean a whole lot to us in Ash County, North Carolina. But uh, just to let you know where he's describing, where he's seeing that he is, he is way up north in Israel, in the land of Israel. He's way up north, which again means very little to me or you. But the reason that that's a problem is he's way far away from where people would worship God at Jerusalem in in the southern part of, of Israel. So he's saying, listen, God, I am way up north. Now, why is he up there? Uh, Some people speculate that maybe he had been exiled from his people. The psalmist was exiled from his people. Maybe he was up there for work. Maybe he was up there because his family was up there. We don't know. Doesn't matter. The fact is he's way up north and where the center of worship would have been was way down south. And he's in that situation and he feels far from God. He says, my soul is cast down within me. Verse seven, he goes on to describe Deep calleth calleth unto deep at the noise of thy waterspouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Now, I know that does sound like a bunch of words. I just want to make sure you break it down and you pay attention to what he's saying there. He's saying, listen, I am am overwhelmed by my situation. I feel like I'm in the deep. That's what he's talking about. The deep calleth the deep. The deep abyss, the ocean. I'm like, you remember Jonah when he was in the belly of the whale and he was under the water? That's what he said. I feel like I'm that. I'm all the way under the water, all the pressure of all that ocean coming down on me. He talks about these water spouts and you should bring to mind this idea of these crashing waterfalls that are just coming down and just crashing and crashing and crashing. And then he says that there are billows that are gone over him. If you can imagine these waves and not just the little pretty waves that you see at the beach sometimes, but the big where it's a big storm that's coming. And as the waves are just crashing over him. He's saying, listen, I'm way far away from God's people and I feel overwhelmed in my circumstances. That's what you need to hear from those two verses. But then he remembers in verse eight, 
Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, and my prayer unto the God of my life. He remembers some promises from the Lord. He's in that situation. He says, man, I I don't feel like I'm anywhere close to where God is. I feel so far from him. and, And my situation is about to pull me under. But then he remembers, hang on a minute. I remember what God said he would do. And I remember what God does. He says, verse eight, he commanded his loving kindness in the daytime. He says in the daytime, he has... Just make sure y'all know I am not a Hebrew scholar. I just read books. Okay, please understand that. So don't want to pretend I'm something I'm not. But that word loving kindness is this word Hebrew word has said, which I'm probably even mispronouncing that just so y'all know, but has said. And that idea of has said is it's committed, faithful love. That's what he says that God has in the daytime. He is loving me. He is loyal to me. He is kind to me. He is giving me and providing for me. He is doing this not because he has to, not because he's responsible to me, but because he wants to. And he said a long time ago, I was his and he was mine and he's going to take care of me. That's what that word essentially means. And that's what we get in the daytime. He says, I remember, God, that your faithful provision, your faithful love. And then at night, look what happens at night. His song shall be with me and my prayer unto God, unto the God of my life. At night, he's comforted by a song. I I don't know if this was a song that God had put in his heart. I don't know if this was a song as I think it's Zechariah talks or um, Zechariah talks about um, uh, that God sings over us. I don't know if it's that. I don't know which way it is. But nonetheless, there's a song that's sung and just like a little baby. I know when we had little children at home, that's what we'd do to them. I would sing. I have about three or four different songs and just over and over. And you just sing to them and da, 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 da. you sing to them. And I think that's what God's doing here to this, this psalmist. I know you're upset, son. Lord's saying to him, I know you're upset, but let me just rock you to sleep. And he knows that when he prays to God at the last part there, my prayer unto God in my life, he knows that God hears his prayers. So even when God feels far away He knows that God doesn't change. This is important. That God doesn't change. Yeah, I feel like he's far away, but God didn't move. God didn't change. God hasn't changed. He's doing exactly what he said he would do all the way back. And he's never stopped loving me throughout any of this. Even when, and you go to the next verse in verse 10. He said, I'm sorry, verse 9. He says, unto God my rock. Why hast thou forsaken me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of my enemies? As with a sword in my bones, my enemies reproach me. While they say say daily unto me, where is thy God? He says, "I, I, I know that I'm being attacked for what I believe. I even feel like you, God, maybe have left me. But I know for a fact, because of what you said and what you do, that you are not changing. I know this. I know this. He goes on to say in verse 11, why art thou cast down O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Even though I'm depressed, even though I'm upset, even though I don't feel good. My hope is in the, I hope thou in God. My hope is in you, God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. If we're going to enjoy the tangible presence of God, 
You have to do what this psalmist was doing. Did you catch what he's doing? He's not just doing positive thinking here, by the way. He's not making up attributes about God. You know what he's doing? He's going back to the promises of God and saying, what did you say you were going to do, God? And you know what he does? He kind of holds God to his own promises. Now, now what that means is if you want God's presence, and I imagine there's at least two or three of y'all that do, if you want God's presence in your life, let me encourage you that you have to get to know and meditate on what God's word says. If you want to know his presence and yet you do have not taken the time to read his word, have not taken the time to study his word, have not taken the time to hear from others who have studied his word. If you're not doing that, I'll just tell you right now, he may be with you if you're a believer, but you're not going to feel it. You know why? Because you're not going to be hearing his voice. You're going to be hearing the voice of everybody else around you. You're going to be hearing your own voice in your own heart. But if you will instead open up this word and not be, confr- not be comforted by soothing sayings or your own assumptions about God, but let God be God. Let him speak for himself and he will remind you that he loves you, that he died for you when you were a sinner. That now that you are his, do you not know how much more he loves you? By the way, I'm paraphrasing Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 8, or actually 1 through 11. You go back and read that. Those are the, that's the kind of stuff you get when you read his word and you're reminded of those things. Another way to think about it is you can't claim a promise that, he, that you don't even know he made. I, I, I'm afraid there's too many Christians who are being comforted by a false god. They have created an image of who God is in their mind. It's not based on the Bible. It's based on folklore. It's based on something some preacher said sometime years ago, and they mangled up what he said, and they're comforted by that, and they realize, that don't really help me. You know why? Because God never said it. What you need to do is get back to what the Lord has said and be comforted in his words, and he will keep his promises. And even in those difficult times, his presence will be with you. What I want to encourage you to do is determine to spend some time. I'm not going to be overly prescriptive on does it have to be one chapter a day. I don't know. Some of y'all read fast and maybe 20 chapters is right. There might be some of y'all that think about one verse all week long and that's fine. But the point is, get in the word. Spend some time in the word. Determine I'm going to hear from God directly. I'm going to hear what he's got to say because I can tell you he'll be more comfort to you than any man could ever imagine that you could, that you could ever imagine a man could be. The psalmist finally in the last section, verse or Psalm 43, he finally makes a direct appeal to God. If you, if you actually go back to uh, all of Psalm 42, he's really just asking God questions. He's not really asking God to do anything. He just He's sort of questioning God. If you go back and look at what he says, But finally, in 43, verse 1, he actually asks God to do something. Look what he says. He says, judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man, for thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? He says, I want you to vindicate me, Lord. There's some bad people doing bad things, saying bad things about me, doing bad things against me. I need legal representation, Lord. I need protection. I need justice to be served. 
That's what he's saying there. Vindicate me. Plead my cause. He says, I need you to be on my side. I feel like if you go back to verse, 40, verse 2, rather, he says, you're my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why do I go on mourning because of the, why go I on mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? He says, I feel like my enemies are winning, God. I feel like these guys are winning this. I, I don't want that. I want, I know you're in charge. I know you're the powerful one and it doesn't feel right. This feels unjust. This feels wrong. You've got to fix this, God. You've got to get invo- involved. And he knows, listen, if you, God, will get involved. Look at what he says in verse three. Oh, send thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. He says, God, I know if, if you will get involved, justice is going to be served and I'll do the right thing. That's what he's saying. You got to get involved. I want you to give me direction. Verse three, he says there, lead me to that holy hill. Bring me to that holy hill. I want you to give me direction. And he says in, in the last part of there, into thy tabernacles. He says, I want you to get me to that place where you are dwelling. I need you to take me there. If you don't get involved, Lord, <laughs> let me say it to you another way. I don't know if you ever had anybody do anything against you and it upset you and made you mad. I know y'all have never had any, y'all are sweet people. Nobody's ever done anything bad about you. But if you've ever had that happen, somebody did something and it wasn't right and you knew it wasn't right, but you felt powerless. In fact, you might've been powerless to do anything about it. If you've ever been there, I can tell you by my own experience, there's about a hundred different scenarios that run through your head and about half of them are illegal and about 25% of them are immoral and the rest of them are stupid. Okay. <laughs> That's what goes through your mind. That's what goes through your mind. And then you finally get to that place where the psalmist is and says, God, you got to do something. Because when you do that, when you get to that place, God, you got to do something. First of all, you know, he said it. God said it. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. He said that. He'll take care of it. That's what he said. He'll take care of it. And furthermore, he'll guide your path So you don't do those illegal, immoral, unethical, stupid things, you see. That's what he will do. He will guide your path. And you need to be in the place not where you get vengeance by your hands or you fix the problem by your methods. You need to get to the place where you're actually in his presence. Once again, in verse 11, or rather verse 5, he he reminds himself that same refrain. Why am I disquieted? Why am I agitated? Why am I upset? Why am I depressed? Why is this going on? My hope is in God. I'm going to praise him because my, the health of my countenance comes from God. My face gets better. My, my outlook looks better. All the things get better when I'm in God's presence. That's what he says again. If we're going to enjoy the tangible presence of God, we have to get to the place. Now, the psalmist took, uh, what is this, about 12 verses to even get here. So you understand Takes you a little time to process to get to this place, but you got to get here. You're going to have to approach God with your needs. You're going to have to say, listen, I need something. It might be that you need the presence of God. You might actually say, God, I don't feel like you're present in my life. I know you are. Your Bible says you are, but I just don't feel you there. You know what you might need to do? Won't you break down and ask him? Won't you break down and ask him? Now, I know you're, you're sitting there saying, well, Matthew, that's just called prayer. We all do that. Well, I'm glad you do. I have to remind Matthew to pray. 
Just being honest with you, I have to remind myself to pray. Sometimes, some way, I don't know why it is, but I just assume, God, you know, God, you know what I need. You just figure it out. No, he wants you to ask him. He wants you to talk to him. You know why? Because he needs to know? Because he doesn't know your mind? No, he knows your mind. He knows what's going on. He needs you to say the words so that you are submissive, so that you are changed on the inside. And he needs you to come to him. And let me tell you, Jesus Christ died on the cross, yes, to save you from your sins, but as a believer, to give you access to God. Did you know that? That if Jesus had not died, you couldn't even pray. That's why we pray in Jesus' name. Because if I don't have Jesus on my side, God's not hearing my prayer. If I'm not covered in the blood of Jesus, God's not hearing my prayer. But Jesus actually died to give me access to God. And when I don't go to him, not only am I making a mockery of Jesus' sacrifice, may God forbid, but that's what we're doing. Further, we are saying with our life, God, I got this. I don't need your presence. I don't need your participation. I've got this in my mind. I've got this with my hands. I've got this with my life. I just want to encourage you to directly go to go directly to God and ask him for his presence in your life. If you're sitting there and saying, Matthew, I appreciate what you're saying. I appreciate and I heard you at the beginning. I want the God, God's presence in my life. I want what you want. If you had any thought like that at the beginning when I was saying this, I'm encouraging you, ask God for it. You may say, well, doesn't he want that? Well, of course he does. He wants to be in your life. He loves you. He wants you to be, be with you and wants you to love him. That is what he wants for you. But you're going to have to get off your high horse and ask the Lord for his presence in your life. The way the writer of Hebrews puts it, he says, in, in reference to the fact that we have a high priest who has been touched with our infirmities. This is in Hebrews chapter four and verse 15. He follows up and says, we've got that. We can access the throne room of God. He says, therefore, let us come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. He's there. He's available. He wants to help. He will help. He can help. In fact, he's working even if you don't ask. But you'll never enjoy the blessing of it until you open your mouth and say, Lord, I need you. I need you. Do you want the presence of God in your life? Again, I want to make sure I'm theologically correct on this. I believe that God is always with us. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So are you understand? I'm not suggesting that God somehow left us. That's what the psalmist is wrestling with. I am suggesting that he feels like he's far away from us. I am suggesting that sometimes we walk through life and we wake up and we went to church on Sunday and we wake up on Saturday and like, Hang on a minute. I don't think I even talked to God today or this week. Hang on a minute. I ain't even heard. Maybe it's a month later, two months later. It's been a while sometimes for some of us. Oh, my goodness. I, and then when we do pray, forgive me, but this is my experience sometimes when I do pray, it sort of feels like it's a perfunctory prayer. It's just what you're supposed to do. I'm supposed to pray, so I better do it. And God, I don't feel like God's ever heard a thing I said. Again, maybe it's just my experience, but if that's where you are and you say, I don't want that. I want the real thing. I want to know that that prayer gets to his ears and not just know that because I know it from those words, but I want to give, I want there to be something I feel. I want there to be a place where I know that I've had a relationship with God. 
that he heard me and he hear, and I hear him. I want to know that what I'm doing, the steps of my life are ordered by God. I want to know that. If that's where you are, if you don't feel like you, you feel like he's not meeting your needs, this message is trying to encourage you to commit to participating in corporate worship. Let me say it simple. Y'all come to church on Sunday, okay? Show up, be here, participate. Come as often as you can, be prepared to receive something, be prepared to help somebody, prepare to meet God. If you want that in your life, come commit to participating in corporate worship. Second of all, if you want to that in your life, commit to reading and meditating on the word of God. Learn what God says. Know what he's promised. Think on it. Hold on to it. So when the worst hits, and it's going to hit, it's in your mind. It's in your heart. If you want the presence of God, talk to God about the need that you have. Lean on his strengths. Look to him to correct the world's wrongs. And then do what Hebrews says, boldly enter into his throne. I want to ask you to stand. I'm going to give you a little bit of invitation to come and pray. I'm going to step down front here. My whole point of stepping down front is just to say, if I can help you in any way, I want to stand there and I want to be a help to you. I want to pray with you. I want to hold your hand and pray with you. I want to hear what you have to say. If you just need to come up here and pray by yourself or you want to stand where you are, that's all open to you. We're just going to take a minute. This is the whole point of this invitation. Take a minute, hear the words, and think about them. Respond to them. I want to invite you to come. Lord, please move among your people. I pray that you will help them to reach out to you, to know your presence. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.